Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am one of your hosts, James, and joining me is Joe. Hey, folks. How you doing? And Chris. Hi there. And we're going to do a little bit of a new, probably reoccurring segment in the show. As we know, the show is always evolving. We're trying new segments out, new ways to do the show. So uh, today I'm naming these episodes Back of the Store Chat or Chat in the Back of the Store. Uh, If you were a person who visited Mint, which a lot of you uh, you as the audience are, uh, you know whether it was the Grosses or Richie and family or Joe, you could walk into the store and you could pretty much find somebody to talk to and usually somebody else. And we're going to kind of use these episodes as a a real-time update about things that we're excited about, things that we're reading, watching. Uh, you know, a lot of times with the show, just to give you a little bit behind the scenes, like we, uh, we try to sometimes save our thoughts for a big thematic episode with a lot of guests. And we, we love those episodes. We will continue doing those episodes. But, you know, sometimes things are happening on our mind at the moment. And uh, just because of life and schedules, it's hard to always get the, the whole band together to talk about everything. So this is going to be a place where we're going to talk about some of the things that we're currently um, enjoying or interested in or want to hear the thoughts of, of our other hosts. And uh, it doesn't mean that those topics won't come up later on in a more thematic guest-centric episode. So, gentlemen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick this off because, uh, you know, uh, Joe, your episode just came out with the DC Slate. I'm going to talk about if you guys, what are your guys' thoughts about the new Flash movie trailer? Okay, that's, that's a great place to start um, because I'm mad about it. Okay, let's go. I, okay. I no, I'm mad about it because I really, uh, uh, I'm literally gonna sign my way through this. I'm gonna huff and puff. It makes me, <laughs> gentlemen, I'm so upset. And here's the reason I'm so upset is because I really had given up on the DC live action stuff. I had, um, because I, I didn't watch a bunch. I didn't watch. Uh, my friend calls Man of Steel. He refers to it as Met of Steel, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, I, I had not seen. Uh, I still haven't seen the Justice League movie, and I have no intention of doing so. Um, and I'd seen Aquaman. Uh, I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman, though it definitely had its issues. I never got around to 1984. Um, I enjoyed Shazam well enough, but didn't love it. And I had just given up on it. I was like, okay, I have the animated stuff that I like, and and all that. Like I had sort of made my peace with it, but. I love the Flashpoint storyline. I do. I, I love it so, so much. And the trailer, they I think they, they whether the movie is good or not, they really hit the mark by leaning so heavily on Michael Keaton as Batman. Right? Yes. Like, it really, they leaned on that aspect of the movie so heavily um, that it just, it really worked well for the trailer. And so I have to admit that I, this is one I think I have to see, which I'm, I can't say it enough. I'm so angry about it, <laughs> but I think, but I think, I think I need to see this one because I read about the slate of movies being released and okay. I mean, sure. And I think, I think James Gunn brings a lot to it for sure. I really do. I think he brings a lot to it and I think he's going to do good work with it, but I had, I was ready to move on. And uh, just when I thought I was out there going to drag me back in. So here yeah. we are. Yeah, Michael Corleone. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was similarly situated as you, Chris. I mean, for audience who hasn't listened to it yet, we have a whole Joe's Comics Corner talking about the new DC slate of movies with our guest Keith Tarnowski. Uh, but uh, we we were all, I think, hopefully optimistic about the future of it, um, and we recorded it before the Flash trailer, obviously. But uh, yeah, man, Chris, you that Flash trailer, I uh, that, that Michael Ke- leading on the Michael Keaton. I don't know if that's all we're going to see in him in the movie. I hope not. No, I don't think so. But, I think, uh, but it was pretty spectacular. I mean, it, he looks great. He's. Uh, I didn't realize watching this movie. I don't. I mean, Chris, you were you were younger, but you know, Joe, obviously, you would live through it. But mm-hmm. uh, the Batman '89, like the craze behind Batman '89, and like how amazing that movie was. When I saw that trailer, I'm like, it was pretty amazing that Batman '89 movie. Yeah. No, he really, he really, it's, it's, it was really cool to see him in the suit and have that kind of presence. And, um, and he does, he still has the presence. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of bonkers to me that that's the case after all this time. So, you know, I, it's funny because I think, I think Keith had said a while to really give it a chance. And Adrian is the one who, who really pushed me to, to watch Shazam. And I have to admit that I like, 
I sort of grudgingly was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I had, and I had much more fun with it than I expected and, and all that stuff. But, but honestly, I really was, I was sort of like tapped out on this and it's, it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to have to, you know, say to, say to, I don't, I don't know how invested Adrian is in, in the DCEU moving forward here. And, and I know, I know Keith was excited about stuff and I have to, you know, I give props because I had a hundred percent given up on all of this. So. Can I also say, like, it's sort of like, and Joe, I know you haven't weighed in yet, so we'll give you an opportunity before Chris and I keep going on and on about it. But it's sort of like, I know it's not the Dark Knight Returns, it's Flashpoint, but it's we get to see Michael Keaton be the Dark Knight Returns. He's, he's playing the older Batman. That mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of amazing. I, feel, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's a cool concept. And the fact that he came back and did it, because uh, also kind of like seeing that trailer, I was thinking about it before we recorded this episode, was like, Michael Keaton was like a staple of mine growing up before he was Batman. Like, you know, I, I watched Mr. Mom. I watched, you know, Night Shift. I watched uh, Beetlejuice. Like, you know, Michael he's Keaton. Just, he's, amazing. Just a, he's just a really talented actor. Like in everything that he does, there's a great episode of Frasier. He's a guest star in. Uh-huh. Yes, okay. Frasier. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, he's so great as Lilith's brother. Yep. Um, And I know that we, I know that, you know, we sort of moved past this. I know that at some point they're going to, they're going to circle back to him, but he's really excellent as the vulture in, in uh, Greater yes. Man Homecoming. He, he, made, he made that movie. I he, guess. he just, he's, he just, he plays a lot of levels. He's just a really, really skilled and talented actor. And it's easy sometimes to, for me personally, it's easy to forget that sometimes. Um, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, Joe. Joe, why don't you weigh in? We haven't given you a chance to fully weigh in. That's okay. I, I well, the I think the uh, trailer is heavily Michael Keaton centric because I think they're trying to sell the movie that way because you know the yes. ongoing problems with Ezra Miller. So you know, we just talked about this movie for five minutes. No, we haven't even mentioned Ezra Miller. I'm just mentioning it the first time now. So I think that's part of the. So I think Michael Keaton's going to be in a lot of this film. I don't think he's going to just come walking on like some like maybe. Uh, Ben Affleck is. I don't think Ben Affleck's going to appear in the suit. And, um, you know, I think we're going to see other characters. I suppose we're going to see uh, film footage of Christopher Reeve and whatnot. So, okay, that's all cool. But I think that Keaton is is a central figure in this film, which he should be. And uh, he is, Yeah, he is in the comic. He's in the comic, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's source material. And, um, you know, everyone who's seen this film, it's Testing well with audience pre-testing, whatever they do, they market it out, and you know even the, even the head of the studio likes it, and he didn't like anything when he came in. He got rid of everything, so uh, yeah, it's looking like this could be um, you know the last hurrah of the quote unquote old DCEU. Um, so I'm hoping that it does well and brings people back to the theater, and uh, and if it does do well, maybe we will get the ultimate uh, Batman, uh, you know, beyond. Yes, that would really. I think that could be something really special, especially because, um, it's just it's it's it can make for a really great story, and also mm-hmm. again expands the universe in other ways. Like, I really want to see Static Shock, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of characters I think they can play with there. I agree with what you're saying, Joe, about Ezra Miller. I think they, I think they want to they want to steer clear of him. They didn't want to cancel the movie. They've already done that with one. Right. Um, the only, for me, the only downside of this movie, and this is just my opinion, the only downside of this movie for me is that, like, I do want a Flash movie. And this is not, while this is a Flash story, it's not a Flash movie. And that's okay. Mm, um, I what you mean. Yeah, I but, I, but yeah, I really, you know, one of the things that I love, love, love about Flash, and we've talked about this before, no matter which Flash we're talking about, his family is so important to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really I like that element. I think that's lost a lot in a lot of superhero stories um, because so many of them are forced to quote unquote forced to go it alone, that sort of thing. And that's that's something that, that I appreciated, especially when you hit uh, Wally, especially when it comes to Wally West, because Barry, uh, for the time that I was reading him, Barry was gone. But like Jay and Jay came over all the time. Right. Jay Garrick would come over all the time and he was taking care of Bart. Uh, he was trying to be a mentor, but he was he was failing at that. He didn't know how to be a parent to Bart. Um, so you know that's that Bart being impulse, Jay Garrick being the, the original Flash. I I want to see that story. Like there's something in me that really wants to see um, that wants to see them and Jesse Quick. I want to see Bar. I want to see Wally specifically. I want to see Wally surrounded by his family mm. and dealing with his rogue. So that's 
that's I don't know that we necessarily get that, and I know that it's not like uh, it's not like putting on multiple um, putting on multiple story arcs in comic books. Um, but I'd, I'd really like to see an actual Flash movie at some point. I mean, I think if this does well, they will probably get one. I mean, uh, Joe, go to your point. Like we we didn't talk about Ezra Miller a lot, but much like comic books, when you want something to sell, put Batman in it. So yeah, so well, that's, that's the going theory right now with DC Comics, but it's starting to wear thin with everybody, including me. So uh, yeah, you you can oversaturate the market with a particular character or franchise, and uh, people just get you know, they get tired because the stories just get repetitious. But this film looks like, on, standing on its own, it looks like it's going to be a good film. And I, I hope that's the case. And now we've been told, I mean, Gunn told us this is, this is going to launch us into his, set things up for the DCU, right? The end of the DCEU and then launching into the DCU. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how, that, how that's going to happen and how the other movies are coming out this summer, which are what, Blue Beetle, Aquaman, and... Uh, there's something else. Shazam right? too. Thank you, Susan. Shazam, yeah. Wrath uh, of the Gods, I think. Right. Yeah. How that how they are going to um if they're gonna even be connected to this film in any way. It's confusing. It's a little, you know, head scratching, yeah, but all right, let's let's just take this as one film. Let's see what it does, you know. So, you know, a film should stand on its own two feet. Yes. Yeah. You know, some some of the MCU movies lately haven't done that. They seem like to be they're either placeholders or they're just like setting things up for the next phase and uh, I think I know Akko and I, think we've spoken to that a couple of times. And um, that's very, you know, that's very annoying to me when I go in. I don't want um, multiple pathways being taken in the film that I'm watching if, if those storylines are not connected to the, or centric to the film itself. Well, I think that, I think that sort of depends. I think that, you know, because I do agree that, um, <clears throat> you know, generally, movies should be able to stand on their own but we've seen this kind of serialized format before you can you can watch the last crusade without having watched you know raiders of the lost ark yes. but you really kind of you can't really watch back to the future 3 without having watched at least part 1 um so i don't you know i don't think those movies do stand exactly on their own and i'm i'm okay with but I, but it's a fine line right i think it's what we were saying about if you want to sell put batman in there Right, to an extent, um, because it does start to, it absolutely starts to wear thin. And so I think you need to, you need to be able to toe a line because there is, excuse me, there is continuity stuff here that is, that is worth exploring. Um, I think they also have their audience pegged in that a lot of people who want to see superhero movies aren't going for one character. They want to see more than that. And so by this time, I think people kind of mostly know that what they're signing up for. Um, you know you're signing up for a serialized storytelling. I think it, it's going to be harder for DC because they did such a garbage job of setting this up in the first place, right? Like, like as much as I enjoy the idea of Flashpoint, and we'll see what they did with the movie, but, like, Flashpoint wasn't set up at all. No. <laughs> Not at all. No, no. You also, it's too late now to do a Flash introductory movie without it being a, a reboot, which nobody wants to see from from either from either DC or Marvel, right? So I think they're in a tough spot because they're they're trying to do what Marvel did. I think James Gunn is going to try and salvage as much, as much as he can, but I think this is why he's bringing in a bunch of new characters is so he can go, okay, here are, my, here are my origin stories, but it's not a reboot because these are new characters you haven't met yet, and I can spin off of old characters, I, I think. I mean, also to springboard, uh, you know, we talked about this in your uh, the DC movie slate uh, episode. Uh, I think it's probably better to build your universe with new characters because it gives you the opportunity to talk about established characters with, like you said, with, without rebooting the universe. You could you could talk about characters in the background or the universe without feeling like, oh my god, here we here we go again with Superman's origin, or here we go again with Flash's origin. Um, mm. You know. If, if any of the other characters are referenced in the other movies, they will be hopefully been established already. Right. Well, and actually, I, so I kind of have to, have to ask Joe, because I'm also curious about your, your thinking on this in general, because if I'm, and correct me if I'm mistaken, in which case I apologize, but you don't like the Flashpoint storyline. Am I correct? I don't like what it led to, which was the new 52. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. When you, when you read the Flashpoint storyline as a, as a, uh, an Elseworld story, right? Which is what I consider it to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's a very good story. I think okay, it's very well I written and very well, very well rendered. But since it, it it was rushed, it's not really what they were planning. Keith can speak to this a lot better than I can. 
apparently that's not what, what, you know, what was planned. And uh, they pivoted at the end after Blackest Night and Final Crisis. They, they told the Flashpoint storyline and then boom, we get the new 52. And then I right. was like, oh, for, oh I was cursed. <laughs> oh, I no, 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 no. I, 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 want, you. You know, I didn't want that. I, didn't, I hated the new 52 except the Justice League and the Green Lantern book. And Batman, I thought was good up until the yeah, end. Batman was good until until the end when he became basically Bat Tick. You know, when well, it was Commissioner Gordon in that gigantic bat suit that looked he looked like the Tick. That was just I, I hated that. Well, I have a lot of trouble. So I don't know if you guys are running into this. I I thought I was a little bit safe with. Um, so I recently read Grant Morrison's Batman: Time and the Batman. Mm-hmm. Have you guys read that? Okay, yes, I think sure. I read that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I thought I might be a little bit safe because it's Grant Morrison. I generally like everything that they write. Um, I don't know. I, 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 this was 2012. So this was, this was a while back, right? This is, this is more than 10 years ago, but I I have to be honest. I have a lot of difficulty finding post, you know, new 52 stuff that I enjoy, but especially with regards to characters, I think that I'm just, I'm so set in my ways. Um, before I talk a little bit about, and I don't want to talk too much about it. It's just it's something that I read recently, so I'm thinking about it. But what do you guys think of Time in the Batman? Or if you guys remember much about it. I don't remember much about it. That's true. I don't. Yeah, you might have to give us a little bit, Chris, because it's yeah. been a, I know, I think I've read it, but I need a jog of the storyline. Sure. No, so basically, um, they spoilers, write... A spoilers audience. Spoil, you know. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it's a bunch of... Uh, sorry, they. Grant Morrison gets a bunch of Ross, like, artists. Um, and by the way, this is on our non-sponsor sponsor, Hoopla. Um... But there are some of the artists who work on this book are great. Andy Kuber is on there, Tony Daniel, Frank Quitely. Um, but it was basically Batman's, you know, 700th issue. And it was stories spotlighting each of the Batman from different eras. So Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, it felt a little, I, I, I think part of it was just that I was missing out on stuff like I never I read very little of Dick's Batman as much as I enjoyed Dick Grayson I read very little of it it was the timing of it um I never read Damian Wayne so the the it's just a a couple of standalone stories that are put together in one book um showing sort of Batman over time and it's it's kind of interesting but I just I, I I find that again I'm not finding a lot in the way of Batman recently by recently I mean really over the past decade and a half that I that I really enjoy other than maybe as a flash in the pan, but nothing that makes me want to read him regularly. And I don't know if if you all have run into this experience or not. I have. And um, I think it started with the new 52. I think, again, that was the Batman and Robin book where Batman dons the um, basically the Hulkbuster armor and punches Darkseid. I think that happened during the New 52. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. It may have happened after that. No, it didn't happen in Rebirth. So it was, it was, it was probably New 52. And at that point, I was like, okay, his superpower is his, is, his, is, his, is his money. And he can wear an armor and punch Darkseid. That's not Batman. That's not the creature of the night. I'm out. And that was one of the reasons why I left the New 52, except for the Justice League book. Um, and since then, we've had some ups and downs. And recently, we had Chip Sudowski come in, who was doing a very great job with Daredevil for the past three years. And he's kind of like, he's kind of gone off the rails with that book too lately, but he had a great start with his Batman run and it ruined it with the, with the culmination of the, of the storyline. And once again, it's Batman taking down villains and, and beings that are better left for Superman, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. I just don't like the Batman as this bat God type of creature character. I, I, it's not my Batman. I, and I don't, I don't enjoy those stories. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, it'd be hard to say. I mean, I actually liked some of like Joker War and Fear State. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, I, I also enjoy. I, I can say some of this because, like, I I'm reading it all on Hoopla. I'm not paying for these books. If I was paying for these books, I don't know if I'd feel the same that's, way. That's no, that's that's valid. There are a lot of things that I read while working at Mint Condition because I could. Yeah, right. Exactly, I can right? I can read these books six months late six months later on Hoopla, and it's not like um, I'm not I can I can just read the story, and um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, there there are parts of it I like. Um, I'm sort of at the mindset like I like I said I've many times on the show I like to see something new and inventive in, in, with the character. Um, I don't always like what it is, but I appreciate like novelty or at least you're trying to do something different with the character. I really do think of the fact that if, if I had to buy the, I mean, before Hoopla really came around, I wasn't buying comics to put it that way. 
So if I, if I was spent money on some of the bad books that I've read that are recently, I probably would be disappointed, mm-hmm. um, you know, or wouldn't have read them at all just because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not paying $25 for a graphic novel. Um, also to realize that it's only part of a story that I still have to buy three more graphic novels to get yes. the entire, yeah, entire graphic novel. Or the omnibus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, like probably like, I, you know, Joe, I know we part ways on this a little bit, but I mean, I probably, the new 52 Batman, I enjoyed most of that whole storyline until the end part got a little weird. And, uh, well, the Court of Alice was great. That was the beginning. Of Court of Alice was amazing. I didn't mind zero year. It got even a little death, weird. Even death of the family. But, um, after that I was kind of, I was kind of checking out. So, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm agree with you, Chris. I mean, if I was always going back to my, my favorite Batman stories is all the books we've already talked about and did episodes about long yeah. Halloween, yeah. Year one, dark Knight returns, you know, Kingdom right. Come. Batman, you won. Batman, you right. won. Right. You know? Well, I kind of have to wonder like if part of it was because again, you know, I mentioned being able to read books at mint and then decide whether or not I was buying them and then they'd be on my list. And then I could, it felt like, I don't know if it just felt like the stakes were lower or what, but I think just, being in that space of mint condition on a regular basis, on an almost daily basis, um, knowing what books were going to come out because I'd be talking to you guys or I'd be talking to Rich, um, you know, Kelly, Tony, they had a beat. Adrian had a beat on, on what was coming out. And that's not even including like regular guests um, who could come in and, you know, let us know a storyline's coming up like Arco or Rich Grandjack. Um, but I think that, uh, or Steve, obviously. Um, but I think that, I think, I think that was the other thing about being at Mint was that it didn't, I didn't need the stories to be great, to be worth my time. And I I think, I think I'm running into that now. I think I read a thing and I go, was that worth as much time as I put into it? And if the answer is no, it feels like the stakes are higher. I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys ever run into that experience of like, I, I, I would have spent time on this 20 years ago and not thought of it as a waste, even if I didn't like it. But now I think of it as a waste or I, I feel a little more perturbed by it. I don't know if you guys run into that. No, I definitely I definitely I, do. I do because, yes. Yeah, because I, I will say, I mean, now like Hoopla is an amazing resource. Um, so I'm going to lean on that a little bit more. But like I do get up to a point where I've read I'm like, I'm done, I don't want to read any more. Su- I don't want to read superhero books like right now. I want to read I will seek out independent books or non superhero books um, for a little bit just to kind of clean my palate, if that makes sense. And then no, it totally does, because I do have a recommendation for you guys at the end of that's not a superhero book. So, oh, OK, cool. Like, I mean, I love superhero books, but sometimes yeah. I'm just like, you know, I need um I need something that's like um, not like in the world of comic books, but not superhero. So yeah. I, I feel like I do. I do like hit my maximum point. Like, okay, I've read enough superheroes books, and I'll read this for a month, and then I'll go back and I'll I'll check out something Batman related that I haven't read just because I'm I'm ready for that again. My mind, right. I, I, I can handle that again. Um, right. You know, no, Joe, you I, were gonna. I, I find myself doing that uh, for me. It's, uh, uh, westerns and and uh, and um, science fiction. So you know, my go tos when I'm you know uh, I don't want to read superhero stuff is Jonah Hex. Sure. And, and Adam Strange, the classic Adam Strange. But Jonah Hex is just a great, I mean, it's just a great comic book, period. The stories are so good. Uh, it's just, it's so beautifully illustrated by numerous artists. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I, I just wish we had more of that. It's everything is superheroes now from the main, the main two from Marvel and DC. Where, where are the Westerns? Where are the war books? Where are the, where are the horror books? You know, it's like. Well, Joe, I can- Sorry, finish your thought, and then I got a question for you. Where are the science fiction books? I mean, uh, we need uh, need more variety. You got to go to those independent publishers. At least that's what I search yeah. for and, and get get recommended. I found a stuff. few there. You're right. I have found a few there. You know, like uh, what was it? Laz- I haven't read it yet, but Lazarus I hear is very good. I picked. I, I, I listen to other podcasts and I that give recommendations on comics that are independent. I'm like, all right, I'll check that out because if, if someone like you know, it's on Hoopla and it's free, and here it's good. I'll, I'll, I'm willing yeah. to check it out. So. Geiger, Geiger by Jeff Johnson, Gary Frank was very good. Now I'm waiting for the uh, for his. Um, uh, what's it called now? Uh, the, the robot. I can't think. Junkyard Joe. I'm waiting for that to finish. I'm going to. Oh, I've heard about that too. Yeah. I mean, Saga's good. I'm not. I'm not up to date on Saga, but Saga no, was a very good. That. Yeah. Either, no. Yeah. So. No, I was. I was curious. I mean, Joe, because I'm. I'm curious as to how you. How you navigate all this in this? Because part of part of the thing is, I. I almost feel pressured to consume more media because I have access to so much of it. So I don't really have an excuse to not do it other than my interest is, I mean, time constraints, of course, but like interest is sort of waning, but Joe, you've got so many varied interests and access to like all of them. So how do you, how do you navigate that between, you know, sports and Westerns and sci-fi and, 
and superheroes. Like, how do you navigate that much that much content? At what point do you find yourself going, I need to switch it up? Or do you switch up regularly and so it's not as much of an issue for you? Well, I navigate it straight on till morning. But uh, okay. <laughs> okay. No, it's I just I just, I just jump from one to the other. I'll read um, I'll read a week of uh, so uh, Bronze Age Marvel, and I'll say, all right, that's enough of that. And um, okay, let me read my let me read my my. Here we go. Shout out to our, our, our one of our favorites, Michael Jan Friedman, a Michael Jan Friedman Star Trek book. They're great. Oh sure. Uh, then I'll you know then I'll hit the I'll hit the uh, the uh, TV and uh, and. Uh, I've been on a kick. They just dropped all four seasons of the Big Valley on Freevee, I believe it is, and and then um, uh, Paramount Plus just dropped all nine seasons of Everybody Loves Raymond, which is the story of my my Italian American dysfunctional family. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. So I'm I'm back and forth. And then we've I've been watching. I did. I thankfully I missed the Bruin the Bruin Ranger game yesterday. I uh, I, I skipped that one because I knew how that was going to yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, me too. But I've been watching the Mets and the Yankees for preseason to try to get a you know a handle on these rule changes and these these pizza box baseball base, baseball size bases. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and I just pick and choose how I feel that day. Well, I mean, Chris, maybe um, this is I mean, I know it's a much different question asking Joe than asking you this, but you know, you have a young one, Eli, and he's into pop culture, and there is a lot of pop culture and avenues that he can explore. How do you like navigate the what he can or should spend his like? Well, how do you navigate that? He has like all the access, and he's learning about it for the first time. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I honestly, uh, it's it's very um, it's always sort of a question mark. Usually, for me, in in deciding what he because he doesn't often find stuff on his own. Like he might see something in the in the queue, but he's not like, for the most part, he's not controlling the TV. Um, he knows, he knows how to like skip ads when he's watching one of his documentaries or something on YouTube <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> um, or one of his like unboxing videos. But, but usually he's, he's actually pretty good about deciding if he's watching something new that he doesn't want to watch it. Um, sometimes he thinks the thing is, he says something is scary. I don't think that's what he means to articulate, but it's something he doesn't want to watch clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I go off of whether or not it's kind. So like I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Um, Cause it, it, it sounds a little bit, it sounds a little bit goofy. I know. No, um, no, no, no. I mean, it's um, I get, I get, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying. I mean, I mean, I want you to finish, make your point, but like, just for yeah. example, like he, he watches ultimate Batman, which is Batman, the animated series, which mm-hmm. I, still, I still appreciate that. Yep. Um, he, you've, you've shown him the real Ghostbusters periodically. I know mm-hmm. he likes the MCU. So is, are those things he's asking for you or you based upon like, I guess the, the rating of the movie, like how do you choose like for him, I guess what he can watch. Unless he asks yeah, him. no, he, he will ask for certain things and then I will watch with him for a little bit. Um, if I don't know anything about it and then if it's a go, then it's a go. If it's not a go, I explain why I don't think it's a go. Um, okay. So here's a good example of, so like he's, he's kind of, he's not really interested in the MCU. He's interested in some of like the fight stuff, like Hulk versus Iron Man, like the Hulk buster fight. He likes that one. He likes when Thor and Hulk fight in the, but he hasn't watched that in a while, but in Ragnarok, he likes when they fight in the middle of the ring. Uh, as gladiators Mm -hmm. but he picked up on superheroes because of people at school there were a couple of kids that like wanted to play superheroes with him and sort of got him into it so um so i wasn't the one sort of suggesting it and then when he came to me then i had like suggestions right um but i often look for so he's got there's a this on youtube there's somebody she does uh she does like kids yoga type stuff and like gets them moving and stuff it's called miss slinky and it's always like themed. And one of the ones she has is Marvel themed. And so Iron Man flying out over the ocean and picking up garbage, that sort of thing. Like <clears throat> he digs it and and it's cool. It's it's whatever. But she does one video where she's in the water and in trying to get kids to like kick and punch and stuff, like, you know, to do the motion. In some of the other ones, like she's like, You're in Wakanda and there's pollution, so we have to stop pollution. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> a little more nuanced than punching smog, but sure. Um but in this one in the ocean, she's like kicking sharks and we started watching and I thought that's a little weird. And and Eli is like, well, that's not too nice because he likes sharks. And I'm like, you know what? That is not too nice. Let's let's not watch this one. He's like, yeah, we won't watch this one. It's not nice. And I'm like, great. Like that's I'm good with that because <clears throat> um, 
because I think about whether or not this is going to be, what do you, what do you take away from this? You know what I mean? Like, what did you learn from this? And it's not that everything needs to be learning experience. Not everything needs to be learning centric, but you know, what he took away, his immediate reaction to Miss Slinky kicking sharks, even though she's just, just doing a thing and they're, they're animated sharks and whatever. His thing is that, you know, sharks, animals in general are not to be abused because we have a dog uh, and I've worked really, really hard to get him to understand that we don't abuse other people. We don't abuse other animals. Right. Um, and so and and aside from that, we've read books that talk about how sharks are endangered and they're important animals and all that stuff. So um, I don't know. I, I It is very much a case by case basis. I do think about what kind of like violence we're looking at um, because I, I, I grew up with some violent stuff, but. But I also think there's a difference between uh, how guns are uh, shown in, say, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Bugs Bunny, you know, with Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam. I think those are different than we see in a lot of current cartoons when when we see them in cartoons. Um, I, I don't know. I don't I, I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm circling the plane, but not landing it. The big thing is a uh, case by case basis and whether or not I think there's anything of value for him in watching it now versus waiting a little while. So I haven't, I haven't really pushed any of the MCU films on him. I haven't really pushed, pushed star Wars or anything like that. Um, he's still really enjoying a lot of the animated stuff. He did just for a Friday night. We went out for, I took him out for dinner. Kristen wasn't feeling well. So I took him out for dinner and on the, and I've tried showing him this before and he wasn't interested, but he loves, he loves nightmare before Christmas. And so I really thought he would enjoy James and the giant peach. Um, and it happened to be playing and he was watching and I was like, you know, we can watch this later if you want. He's like, yeah, so I'm sorry, Joe, you, you have your hand up. No, I was just going to say, you, you talked about violence and I, I was just wondering violence from another aspect, which is sports. Have you sat down and watched a hockey game with him yet? Yep. Yep. We have, we've watched hockey. Uh, we've watched everything but basketball. What does he think of hockey? He thinks it's hysterical when they hit each other. Um, <laughs> you know, when they, when they trick <laughs> each other, uh, he thinks it's hysterical when people get tackled in football. Um, we, we talk about it. We talk about it because then he wants to do it with me or with Christina. Of you know, he wants, to, he wants to do the tackle. He's like, can you, you know, can you turn around? And then he'll go ah, and run at us from across the room. We, we talk about how, you know, I don't really, we don't want you doing this with other people. You could hurt them and making sure that when people are playing a game, you know, this is something we've explained to him too, is like, I'm trying to really drill in there is like, if both of you are, you know, if both of you agree, then you're playing a game. If one of you, wants to do a thing, but the other doesn't, you're not playing a game right. and sort of like setting that, that boundary. Um, Have you watched a baseball game together? Yet? He's watched, he's watched some of it. His favorite part right now, his favorite part of watching baseball is he gets to, he gets to mimic whatever's being said by Mira Christina, which usually involves a lot of cursing. <laughs> so that's, his, that's his favorite. That's his favorite part for sure. Um, Cause know. he knows he's only allowed to use that kind of language in the house. Um, Christina gets very creative with her cursing, which is one of the things I love about her. But around Eli, I'm like, we need to dial it back. There's certain things yeah. that I'm okay with him saying, and certain things I don't want him saying at all. So maybe not that, you know. Yeah, we, should um, do, we should do a watch along, uh, you, Christina, uh, and I with Eli when we're when I watch a Yankee Red Sox game. Oh yeah. About, oh, Christina will be, Christina will be right there with you, Joe. Like it'll be earmuffs on a regular basis. <laughs> um, like he he will, and sometimes he he now he knows what we're doing. So like I'll turn on hockey, and he'll see something happen. And he just goes, "Are you?" And forgive the listeners, but are you effing kidding me? Like, and then he'll look at us to like. You can see he's like checking in with us and I'll be, and I'll just say, where are we allowed to say that? He says in the house. I'm like, that's right. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's entertaining. And also the other thing is too, like the only sport he's not allowed to play is football. That's the only sport he's not allowed to play. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was a great answer, Chris. I mean, I, think I don't know. I, I, I love yeah, that, that was a lot. It was a lot of vamping. It's a good question. I think it just it's it just depends on the parent. It's yeah. Really, no, it's a comp. It's a complex question. Yeah, like I, you know, at some point, I would love to introduce him to Alien, but it's probably not now. Um, you know, so so figuring out what the what the line is and what the intention is. I think we have to get Christina on one of our sports podcasts. She'll she'll have a lot to say. She, she well, the blues the blues just had. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know, we're we're recording this on Sunday, March fifth, which means the the NHL trade deadline was at three p.m. Eastern time on Friday the third, 
And Joe, I know you and I will get into this because the Rangers got a haul. Yeah, I got to ask you about Kane. <clears throat> The, the Rangers did very, very well for themselves, but the Blues are in the process of, or have been in the process of selling. And so when they got rid of uh, Captain, the, there were a couple of people, Christina was pretty upset that, that left, uh, Tarasenko being one of them, but he was always going to leave. Uh, but when Ryan O'Reilly was traded over to the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, she she did not want to go to the next Blues game. And she wasn't even sure about the Blues game after that because she was wow. so angry at them for what they're you. doing. So she took it very personally. I had that happen to me. The very first time it happened to me in my life was when the Yankees traded Bobby Mercer at the end of the, I want to say, now, let me think now, end of 75 season, because they played 74 and 75 at Shea Stadium because the yeah. Yankees was being renovate, renovated. And he couldn't hit a home run in Shea Stadium because it was too much, it was much deeper down the line as opposed to Yankee Stadium. Uh-huh. And they traded him. And when I found out, I had like this, this, this uh, feeling in my stomach, you know, like a punch in the stomach. It was the first time I ever one of my favorite plays traded. I was a teenager at the time, but still, yeah. you know, it's, it's still, it was rough. So I, I understand that. Yeah. You get invested in a team and a couple of plays. It's rough when they get traded or, or they leave as a free agent. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's really interesting that again, the reactions that we have to, cause I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm assuming that there were also sometimes those reactions to writers or artists moving over from DC to Marvel or something like that. Right, Joe? Oh, we, I was ecstatic. I was, well, yeah, when Kirby left Marvel at first, I was, you know, very, very, uh, you know, sullen about that. But then when I realized what he was doing, we saw the first few books come off the stands, you know, the new gods and, Mr. Miracle and forever, this is great. And then they all got canceled within a year. What the hell is going on? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, go back, go back to Marvel. Well, he did, but he didn't go back to Marvel until like around 76. So it was, um, it was a very strange time for comics but in the early 70s. It's just, it's really easy to, I mean, here, circling back, we talk about Michael Keaton. It's very easy to become attached to, to people. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to creators, especially, I think. Oh, yeah. Creators and athletes, you know, we get attached to them. We, we take things personally. Um, I mean, yeah, I, you know, James, we were talking about it earlier. We were talking about what an impact it had just seeing Keaton in the bat suit on the big screen again. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and to pick up the ball, I forget which episode we recorded, maybe it hasn't even aired yet, but like Doctor Who. Like Doctor yeah, Who. You, 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 oh, sure. I'm just going to ask you about that, James. You remind yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Who. You know, like, uh, I, I think there was, there's always when you're, when the doctor is transitioning from one actor to the next actor, there is the moment, and it happens with all fandom, where they're like, I'm not watching this show. Yeah. How could the person be as good as the, do- the previous doctor? And for the most part in the history of the doctor, um, especially the recent history, though maybe not so much, depends. Um, the next actor has been just as good, if not more amazing. So yeah. I, I think I think all forms of fandom, when you change something or you get rid of a staple that people enjoy, there's going to be some pushback when you try to try to change things up. But as we've discussed many times on the show, change is the only <laughs> way to keep a keep a franchise alive. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And how long has Doctor Who been alive? Six, no, we're this is the sixtieth anniversary this there year. You go. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they're obviously doing something right. <laughs> well, hopefully, we're, we're, I mean, well, they, they've been, they've had their ups and downs. We're hopefully back well, okay. on an upward trajectory yeah, well, in this in this year. So Star Trek is, is is approaching sixty years soon in a few years, and uh, they've had their ups and downs, right? So, yeah, yes, it's just yeah. that's if something's around that long. DC Comics eighty, let's see, nineteen thirty five. So it uh, you know that'll be uh, what ninety years uh, next uh, in a couple of years. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tough uh, line to walk. I run this. I mean. Here, we talk about it in comics. We talk about it in sports. It comes up in sports a lot because, you know, players don't play forever. Um, no. So it, it does. It comes up frequently. But I think about it like when it comes to games, there was a, a game I really enjoyed playing called um, Conquest. It was a, a card game much like uh, Lord of the Rings and much like Magic the Gathering. Um, and they were always releasing new product. You had to release new product to keep the game alive. Otherwise, it really does. It becomes It becomes stale. And sometimes... That's a good thing, and sometimes it's a misstep, you know. For for us, James, I don't know if you remember, but like we played Lord of the Rings a lot up until we were so excited when Two Towers, the movie came out, and then the the um the card game was going to move into Two Towers. We're really excited about that, and we felt as though Two Towers was really where the wheels came off, um, and that yeah. was kind of where we stopped. I don't know that the, the wheels actually came off so much as. I had gotten so used to the way the game played before Two Towers and the, and the changes that came with it um, that I just that was the game I liked playing. But uh, you know, I don't know. Games games do have to 
games have to evolve too. I think they all do. Like I think that's it's either that or it's going to be something that's frozen in time. And and sometimes if if a thing is frozen in time, that's that's not all bad. Sometimes you have a set of stories that like you know Back to the Future. I don't need another Back to the Future movie. I hope they never make one. Um, we've he got our right. Sorry, what did you say? Et one et movie was enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't need. I'm, I'm good. Leave that, leave that frozen in time. It, it holds up. I don't need more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I guess, I guess, like you said, sometimes they missed up. Also, sometimes it's not a misstep so much as you know us, us old fogies can't. We just don't want it. We're not interested. Um, uh, that's me. That's me. I mean, you know, what's his name in Gran Torino? Get off my lawn. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I can appreciate that. That though, now that I'm. Now that I'm I'm a little bit older and I have some of that history, I mean, hell, that's how I feel about Batman. Yeah, I'm, I'm very protective of my version of Batman, and, and James and I have spoken about this, and we've, we've all spoken about this many times. Uh, to me, the Batman I like to refer to him as, as the Batman or the Batman uh, is is that is that Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Jim Apparel, right, right, Batman. That's the Batman from the late '60s, early and early '70s. I measure every other version of Batman to that, and some measure up, and some unfortunately don't. Yeah, well, I mean, tying tying it all back to the beginning. Yeah, the I'm very excited for Michael Keaton because I didn't realize until recent history, looking at all the live action Batmans, how much he probably is the best Batman. But obviously, my my you know definitive Batman, as we said many times, is going to be the animated series Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and Michael Keaton is not that, but that's okay. He's just—it's a—he's definitely not the animated series Batman, but he's just a different of the incarnations we've seen in live action. I think it's because he's the best balance between Batman and Bruce Wayne, and it's really hard to say. I just—I think you know, comparing them all, I think he's the best balance between the two aspects of the character and having a take on the character that's different but still honoring the character's legacy. So, right, sure. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on something else before we uh, like close the uh, first uh, back of the store chat. I, I don't know if you guys have taken a look at, but I got to finally see Wakanda Forever on Disney Plus. Oh, I, I have not. I seen not. Well, I, the reason I haven't seen it is because I dropped Disney Plus and HBO Max. You know, there there are some financial concerns that need to be, uh, and because uh, I also heard that HBO Max might be doing a free streaming service uh, uh, to go alongside their pay service. So right now, and I did, I did step up my um, Paramount Plus because of Star Trek. Yes. Okay, sure. No, I, I mean, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, you guys will eventually see it. I mean, yeah. Joe, you could. It's, it's available to buy or rent, and yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll, it's, I'll it's a long commitment. Karen watched. Karen and I watched it over that's, three three nights because it's two and two hours and forty five minutes long. Ooh, it's which, a long movie. Okay. Right. No, that's that's why I haven't gotten to it yet. Is because I know Christina and I wanted to watch it together. I just think we have to acknowledge that's that's not going to happen. It's just it's so much of a commitment that by the time, you know, and that's by the time we're we're sitting down and watching and everything, um, it'll be so late that Christina's going to fall asleep. So, uh, so I I will probably have to watch it on my own, which I normally I would have done already, but uh, but honestly, I've been so busy with uh, so busy with grad school that it's like the absolute last thing I'm going to do is turn on that long of a movie because I can't I can't do work while I'm watching the movie. I want to be able to enjoy the movie. Yes. Um, so the, that's one of the reasons why the only thing I've, I've had on TV has been, or just radio has been, uh, has been hockey because that can be on in the background. And, uh, if I miss a goal, so be it, I can go back and I can, I can watch the replay. So, um, so I've not, I just haven't made time to, to watch it, but what did you, but what did you think? Um, I, I was just, I was texting with uh, with Arco and Jack uh, over, and I I personally think again I also watched it over three periods. I think right. that should be noticed, but I it, I really connected with it. I thought it was a beautiful tribute to a to an actor and a role that an actor created that has influenced an entire influenced the entire world. I mean, I, I think I yeah. can say that. Yeah, yeah, you can. And uh, I think it, at the same time, it's a really moving piece about grief and how to accept loss. And um, I mean, I, I don't think it's a spoiler that Shuri's character is this happy-go-lucky person. We've seen her so far and she's a person grounded with so- in science and she's reconciling with the loss of her brother and the loss of, uh, and science not being able to, to help her solve that problem. And uh, I, I thought it just, it just was really, I thought I really connected. I thought it was beautiful, beautifully done. Uh, I don't have the same history with the character Namor as as Joe probably has, and a lot mm-hmm. of people do. But I thought Namor was or Sinari, Namor 
uh, was uh, was excellently done. I'm looking forward to seeing him interact with the future Susan Richards. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, yeah, and I and I and I see like a lot of the reviews were like the Riri story was you know extraneous or didn't need to be there. I thought it was integrated very well. I, I okay. the introduction of Ironheart didn't bother me. Um, yeah, I, I was I was really surprised about you know it's the best I think it is the best project of Phase Four. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any complaints. And, you know, the, the complaints that most people say is, a, is in my mind, not, it's a complaint that they couldn't, you know, everyone's most complaint. I think the biggest thing is like Chadwick Boseman's not there. Well, I mean, he wasn't going to be there. It's right. Like, right. And, uh, but I think given the fact that he wasn't there and the, the pieces they, the decisions they had to make and the ways they had to go, I think they found a beautiful way to continue the story. Uh, missing such a big, powerful piece of the story, so I, I recommend it. But Chris, yeah, you have to kind of focus in on it because no, that's that's good to know because I really uh, the thing I was most excited about for this, uh, even though I, I was looking forward to frankly all of it, um, you know, I was most excited about Riri, um, and so I'm I'm you know I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear you say those things because it'll it'll be what it'll be. Um, I was trying not to get my hopes up too too high, but after they had done, in my opinion, after they had done such a good job with Ms. Marvel, I was really hopeful that they were going to do it like at least as good a job with with uh, with Ironheart, you know. Um, and so so we'll see. I'm actually I've been thinking recently that I this is one thing I could probably do while I'm trying to do schoolwork. I could probably go back and rewatch Ms. Marvel. So I was thinking I might do that at some point here. Yeah, and I just to like go to what we spoke about earlier. Uh, Karen watched this with me, and it's one of the few Phase Four projects where she had very few questions. Like they, oh they, okay, they, that's they, interesting. They told a story that for the most part everything is on screen for the for the most part. Like uh-huh. you didn't need to watch a whole bunch of like we didn't have a chance to rewatch the first Black Panther first. I mean, she had some questions about who's that and who's that. And they were first right. introduced in the first Black Panther. So that aside, it's a movie that if you saw Black Panther one and went into this and hadn't seen the other MCU movies, like, you could follow it. Interesting, okay. Which is what, you, it, know. you know, what we talked about before, about a movie standing on its own. You know, yeah. There's something to be said about that. Good. And, and Angela Bassett deserves all the Oscar awards she, she, and nods. She, 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 was in, she was incredible. Just incredible on screen. <laughs> I believe that. I really want to see it. I will say, I feel like I sort of need to promise myself that I should finally, finally watch everything, everywhere, all at once first. <laughs> Because oh, I just I need yeah. to get to it so badly. I've wanted to get to it forever, and I've just not prioritized again. I haven't prioritized anything. Um, but I've heard such amazing things about it, and I really a real. It's not it's not just the award stuff. Although I'm really glad to see the awards panning out the way they are for for that movie and the makers of it. But um, but I I really really want to see that one. That's a great movie. Yeah, I don't know if I've really spoke about, it, but I saw that, and that was fantastic. Obviously, you know. Every every the the actors to the writers, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking, and Michelle Yao deserves all the credit she's getting too. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, I always forget. It's it's Key. What's his full name? Key. Um, oh, Unfortunately, I, I, I honestly I don't, I don't know. know. I don't want to say his name incorrectly. Let me uh, look up uh, his pronunciation of his name because I don't want to do it. Uh, yeah. Um. Ki Hu Kwan. Yes, Ki Kwan. Um he was he's great in it too. And uh I was I was watching like a, a Seth Myers had Brendan Fraser on and he's also up for a nomination for the mm-hmm. whale, which I know Keith recommended in an episode of this podcast, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen yet, but Brendan Fraser and Key were in Encino Man together and they were just talking about how beautiful it was they both really? are. Yeah, they're both like, we made it to like we're still here and we're Academy Award nominees. <laughs> that's really that is that's really cool. I'm yeah, it was it was it was I'm I'm glad to see him getting that recognition. I'm glad he's back and working again. Reading reading why he left in the first place makes a lot of sense to me. It's not a surprise, but it, it's for me it makes it a little tougher knowing what it was that he had to, that he had to go through and what he had to experience. And, um, and from a selfish standpoint, it makes me think about like how much work he could have done in that time that we missed out on mm. now. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that was part of, at least when, when Chadwick Boseman died, that was part of what I was thinking too, was like, you know, again, from a, obviously this is, this is for him and for his family, like all really personal people really mo- more deeply affected than me. But it's hard for me to not think about the work we could have gotten from him as he got older and more skilled at his craft. Um, there's part of me that's like, oh, I would have loved, loved to have seen Chadwick Boseman play Lear. 
Like, oh, yeah. I think yeah. him as King Lear would have been breathtaking. Um, so it's stuff like that that I, I think also with with a lot of actors that have left because of discrimination, um, because of abuse, that sort of thing, because of the typecasting. That it's like, you know, I feel badly for them, but also on a selfish note, like it's hard for me to not feel badly for us and and the kind of work that that we missed out on possibly. I feel that way about Christopher Reeve. Yes. Yeah. 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 I really do. Oh, by if, the Chris, way, if Christopher Reeve was alive right now, he would be Superman again. Yeah. If he was uninjured and alive, he would be in the DC. Like we would, we would have him in Flashpoint well, he, probably. He would be I, Kingdom Come Superman. He would be Kingdom Come Superman, which would be amazing. Oh my gosh. Right. Think about. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but that really because that's you know you're talking about a really skilled actor who can also understand all the emotional nuance that would come with Superman and Kingdom Come, right? That he's not just yeah. like a bad guy. No, Chris would play it. Chris Reeve would play it, you know, uh, as, as it was written, nuanced, very nuanced. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, one thing, one more thing about Chadwick Boseman. Have you guys seen uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson story? No, not yet. Not oh yet. Oh, my God. I just, well, if you do, just make sure you have a big box of tissues. Yeah, okay. It is a spectacular movie. And he is so good in that. It's, it's, it really is. You know, Chris, I know what you mean. It's, it, we don't want to be selfish, but we lost, you know, we, just these two actors we just talked about, Chadwick Boseman and Christopher Reeve. It's, the world lost two treasures. And yeah. uh, it's, it's really, it's a sin. But. Well, it's, 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 it's difficult to, it's really difficult sometimes to, to keep it out of that context of what we missed out on, right? I just saw that, mm-hmm. um, oh gosh, oh, this is going to drive me, drive me nuts now. I think it's been... It can't have been that long, right? Maybe. Uh, oh, sorry, give me one second. I'm going to have to look this up to, to make sure that I'm right. Uh, but I, I know that the the anniversary of um, of John Candy's death was just a day or two ago. Oh, my God. John yeah. Candy. And um, and I want to say it's been like 29 years. Yeah, it's probably been. Wow. Um, you know, so it's. Let's see. So John Candy died in 94. So, yeah, wow. so hold on. Has it has it been really nine to four oh four fourteen? So it's been it's been twenty nine years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wow. wow. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where like you think about how much he created in that time, and how much he could go on to create, and how much he created even even you know posthumously, how much he inspired. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to. Uh, it's it makes me think of um a podcast. I th- there are very few podcasts I listen to, but one of them is called uh, Too Many Men. It's a great hockey podcast. It's where I get a lot of my news from on the other teams. Um, from um, Allison Lucan, Shana Goldman, and Sarah Sivy, and these three women, they do an amazing job with this with this podcast. In fact, Shana Goldman has been she was bonkers during the uh, before this leading up to this NHL trade deadline. She was breaking trades left and right. It was it was awesome. Um, but anyway, they, they're sort of one of their running gags is whatever they're talking about. They go, right. But how does this affect the Leafs as Mm -hmm. in the Toronto Maple Leafs? Like they somehow always sort of bring it back almost like a, you know, six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that makes me think of this, you know, yeah, but how does this affect the Leafs? Yeah. But how does this affect me? Like we do, we think about that thing. It's not, it's selfish, but not necessarily in a bad way. It shouldn't be our overriding concern, but like. We do. I think we ask ourselves as fans of an artist, as fans of an athlete, like, how does this affect the thing that I, the thing that I love? I yeah. was devastated when Thurman Munson was killed in that plane crash in 1979. He was sure. 32 years old. He was the captain of the Yankees. And um, I'll forget that day. We were sitting at the dinner table. My father, mother, and I and came over the news and my father and I, we just started, we just started crying. My mother was, what's the, she did, wasn't into baseball back then, but uh, she got into baseball when Derek Jeter came around. <laughs> I went, remember, I remember mentioning uh, that, yeah. Big, she was his biggest fan, but um, that was, that was a difficult day. And it's, um, you become invested in these, 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 these people as uh, not only actors or, 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 or uh, sports figures, but as human beings, you, you live, you live your life precariously through them, but you live with them. And when you lose them, it's like losing a family member. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as we've spoken about, unfortunately, a lot since since the last year of this podcast with all the artists we've lost. And, yeah. Uh, you know, well, um, 
I don't know. I guess let's let's try to bring things a little yeah, back up. I guess as, as we end as we end here. That's fair. I will I will say this. I will say this for for you know what it does also though when we lose people like this is it's it's amazing to see the impact that they've had on us and they've had on people and the gifts that were given. Um, you know, I know recently there was there was an episode I can't remember which one it was. I know I wasn't present, but um, but I think. I think it was Arco who mentioned how affected I was by Ghostbusters. Um, what was it? Resurrection? What was it yeah, called? Yeah. Afterlife. 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 Thank you. Afterlife. I was like, I'm, Resurrection doesn't sound right, but it like that. Yeah. Afterlife. How affected I was by it. And, and um, yeah, there's. I mean, there's joy to be. There's joy to be found there. You know, there there really is. There's there's some. There was something really special about seeing him on the the big screen and seeing um specifically seeing Harold Ramis on the big screen again. And so, like, you know, there, there's a lot that we lose, but there's also a lot that we gain. A friend of mine had said that, uh, that you know, the, 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 cost, the cost of great love is great grief, but it's always worth the price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I agree with that. So I think that there's also an element of, you know, look at how many stories came out about Carrie Fisher after she died. How many, like, really stories that, like, that made us belly laugh about, about how incredible she was, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Um, so it's stuff like that. I think there's, there's a lot of upside to it's, it's, you know, grief is grief is such a, not even, you can't even say it's a human thing, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a living creature thing. There are animals that grieve too. So like, so grief is just, it's that thing that it's, it's, it's a thing that binds us and it's not always, it's not always a bad thing. So I don't know. No, no, that's very well put, Chris. Yeah. And they, we, we do, I mean, it is, is sad with the people we lose, but we do have such amazing work and legacy they left behind for us to enjoy. Yeah. I, mean, I was just thinking, like you said, John Candy. I'm like, man, tra- planes, trains, and automobiles is like, uh, it's just such a beautiful. It's it's a great movie. Like, young audience members, if you haven't seen it or anyone, go see Planes, Trains, and Automobiles mm-hmm. because it's John Candy and Steve Martin, fantastic work. So, no. Um, well, as we uh, wrap up, uh, it's, we've we've recorded obviously things are out of order, but we haven't done like a like a recommendation. What are you reading in a while? So. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's dust this old this uh, this part of the show off. And Chris, uh, you you already said out of the bat you had something to, to recommend and share with us. So why don't you go first? Yeah, I do. Um, so I, most most of what I've been doing, like I said, most of what I've been doing watching lately has been hockey. Um, if you're not watching the Devils and the Rangers, you really should, especially now that the trade deadline has passed. The Devils got Timo Meyer, and they are. He is a great addition. He's going to be playing on the second line because the first line is so good. Um, not this past game, but the two games before that, the Devils scored seven goals in each game. They are, they, you know, they're a lot of fun to watch right now. They are fast. They are skilled. Uh, Jack Hughes is is right there at superstardom, so they're really fun. And the Rangers are playing really well, but they're also having fun. With Tarasenko on the ice coming over from the Blues, you can see that he and Artemi Panarin are just – they're having a blast. That team is having a lot of fun, and it's it's hard to stop a team when they're playing well and having fun. Um, sadly, that's not entirely true for the Islanders, but the Sabres are also <laughs> a lot of fun to watch. So watch the Sabres, the Devils, and the Islanders. But I will say that from a reading standpoint, I recently read Batman Time and the Batman. Um, it was fine. I don't feel the need to like recommend it per se, um, but I will say that uh, for anybody who's not read it, George Takei's "They Called Us Enemy" is excellent. Oh, um, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So George Takei, along with uh, let me see, I've, I think I have the names here: Justin Isinger, Stephen Scotton, and I believe the artist is Harmony Becker. Um, yes, that's right. George Takei, Justin Isinger, and Stephen Scott with artist Harmony Becker, and it is the this story of George Takei and his family being in the Japanese internment camps during World War Two. Oh, um, okay. And he, 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 I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's heavy, but he also tells it the way he, ex- he shares it the way he experienced it, which was as a child. So like a lot of the stuff was for him and for his brother, it was adventure. It was something new. It was mm-hmm. other kids. Like, you know, they didn't, they didn't understand that the barbed wire was to keep them in as opposed to keeping the monsters out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I very, and this can also be found on Hoopla, um, but they called us Enemy by George Takei. The expanded edition is is on Hoopla and is, is absolutely worth reading. So that's that's my recommendation. Go out and read. Uh, they they called us Enemy. Wow, fantastic! I'm definitely going to check that out in my Hoopla account. Um, Joe, any uh, recommendations? 
Uh, yes, I just in the mail the other day, I got my um, Epic Collection Marvel 2-in-1 Presents the Thing, Cry Monster. I hope it's on uh, our non-sponsor sponsor. So it's the original series from the 70s, issues Marvel Feature 11 and 12, uh, and then Marvel 2-in-1, 1-19, to and then there's a team-up with Spider-Man and, and Marvel team that's in here also. It's just a great book, and it's um, great artwork by Ron Wilson, mostly, and, and great uh, stories written by Steve Gerber and Bill Mantlo. So I would highly recommend that if you're into Bronze Age Marvel, and especially the thing. What's it called again? Cry Monster? It's called, uh, yeah, Marvel 2-1 presents the thing, Cry Monster. The cover shows the thing and the Hulk going at it. I will. I'm looking for it right now. I don't okay. know that I'm seeing it. It's kind of new, so maybe it's not up. There. No, it's not a hoopla, unfortunately. Yeah, not yet. Anyway, I don't know if Hoopla has done their dump for uh, Marvel for March yet. They've they've switched their format. They used to like trickle it out. Now they do like one big dump during the month. So if mm. it just came out, they might not have um, uploaded it to Hoopla yet. But um, I guess we'll see. But keep uh, you know, it's still a good recommendation. Keep yeah. It it's good stuff. And uh, maybe this might be, I might be poaching James here. I don't know, but I'm going to recommend Picard season three. <laughs> That's a good recommendation, yeah. Joe. You can have it. <laughs> oh, thanks, James, because this is like, wow, this is Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds territory in, in storytelling. This is, I watched, watched the third episode yesterday, James, and that ending was, holy crap. Uh, you know, it's a quote Frank Barone from Loretta's Raymond. <laughs> what an ending. And it's like, uh, Peter Boyle, by the way. Peter Boyle, there you go. Late Peter Boyle, what a great actor, character actor. But um, uh, excellent storytelling. Uh, I know there's an overarching story here, but each, first of all, each of the first three episodes have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But um, wow, uh, it's it's uh, if you like if you like Next Generation, you're gonna love this. And I was not a fan of Picard season one, which I never finished, and I never went out to season two. But this is just. Uh, and I love the music, right, James? Yes, yes. Well, so they're this. pulling they, all the chords from every Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the music is so great. Just the high, highest recommendation I can give. This, I give it a Star Trek Strange New Worlds recommendation. And for audience members, not to spoil anything, but Worf's amazing. Oh, oh my like. God in heaven. That's my favorite Worf moment since he killed Gowron. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's pretty high praise, given that he's your favorite Star Trek character, oh, character full you know, style. He's a guy, man. Wolf's, Mr. Wolf is, is is the man. Yeah. He's if you love Deep Space Nine too, because Chris, I know that's your thing. Like, yes, Worf, that, right? True. And I will, without spoilers, this ties into Deep Space Nine. Yes, so it it's a next generation <laughs> sequel and a Deep Space Nine sequel also okay. so far. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I Joe, I, I was I wasn't going to bring it up yet, but I'm glad you did because uh, it's <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the um, I, for the last season, I think this is what they wanted to do all along, but they had to get here for whatever reason. So this well, is Picard. Picard they've been tough three. rounding all these people up, right? Everybody's, you know, uh, they're getting a little old, obviously, but they also might have, a, they have, might have had other commitments. So, um, yeah. Well, I think they also had to get around Patrick Stewart, because I think Patrick Stewart, when they first approached him, didn't just want to do a next-gen sequel. I think he had to be comfortable enough that, I don't know. It took, it took a little while, I think, also with Patrick to get to this point where he's like, okay, let's do the next-gen sequel. Yeah. So... And no, no spoilers, right? We're not going to make this. No, I mean, we do have a Star Trek edition that recently came out about episode one, and we'll have future episodes talking about the rest of the se- season. Um, but uh, we won't put any, too many spoilers yeah. on this episode for you guys. So, um, those are my recommendations. But... That's excellent, Joe. Uh, my recommendations. I I saw this in the store way back when, and never read it, but I finally got to it on Hoopla. Is I read Matt Wagner's Trinity. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, oh, Joe. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I'm sure I was like, you know, Chris. Have you ever read this book? No, no. I wait. Maybe I have. No, I can't remember. Can you talk a little bit about it? It's like the first appear. It's the first meeting of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. But um, it's done by Matt Wagner, which has like he has a Tim Sales type of artwork, and yeah. uh, it involves it involves Raza Ghul rounding up um, Bizarro and Artemis to help. No, him. no, I haven't. It's a it's a great book. The artwork's amazing. It's just called Trinity. Trinity. Is it on Hoopla or no? It's on Hoopla. Three issues, right, James? Three issues, yeah. three long issues. They're yes. like, it's like a... You just called them back in the day, bookshelf. Yeah, bookshelf the bookshelf edition. edition, yes. Oh, I remember these covers. Yeah, you do. I do. I remember them sitting on the shelf forever, yeah. too, they sat there. there I'm, I don't want to give away too much, but there was a great set piece in there, so to speak, with an atomic bomb. Right, yes. James? And it's yes, so well done and so cool. It's a great Superman moment. <laughs> it is. So I, I recommend this. Great read, fun read. 
again, reminds me of a Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale type yeah. of joint a little bit. So, uh, so that's a great one. And, uh, you know, talking about, we talked about him earlier, Joe, you mentioned him, Chip Zdarsky. I read his, his mini series called Public Domain. Um, I don't know, Joe, if you've ever checked this out. But, Is that um, an independent uh, comic? It's an independent project okay. that he did. And okay. it's, it tells the story of a comic book creator who there's a it's it's basically like mirroring real life there's a superhero who has a huge franchise and the comic book creator who created the character didn't get he got like a small settlement way back in the day and it's sort of like the ins announced that he finds a contract or somebody finds a contract that shows that he actually owns the character and not the company and so it kind of goes into the ins and outs and what it's done to his family and stuff like that. it's very interesting it's it's superhero but superhero adjacent sort of so um, and it's Chip Zdarsky, so the writing is on point. Um, so yeah, those are my recommendations uh, for the week. You know, and I will also say I, I re- it's on Hoopla also, just because we were talking about it. Um, the soundtrack for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is also beautiful music. Uh, it's very, very emotional, very heartfelt. Because I love soundtracks, and I recommend that soundtrack. It's a really good listen. Nice. So uh, we did it. Yeah. We did it. We did our. Uh, Back of the store chat. Um, I think we're. I think this went well, so I think we'll do more of these. Uh, if you, the listening audience, enjoyed this or have thoughts about all the different places we went in this episode, we would love to hear from you on the uh, Facebook uh, group under the posting for this. So please uh, leave your comments, thoughts, feelings there. If you don't want to do it on Facebook, you can also find us at secretoriginsmc at gmail.com and secretoriginsmc on Instagram. And uh, as I've said, uh, you know, part of our ask of you audiences ever is if you if you have time, we would love a rating, a review on, on iTunes that would help us get to more people. And if you feel like, you know, someone in your life who might just find this episode fun or one of the other hundred plus episodes we've done fun, then if you could share with somebody, that'd be great, too. But otherwise, um, I, of course, could not do this episode without my other two hosts. So thank you, Joe. Oh, yeah. Fine. Welcome, James. This is great. And uh, as always, and thank you, Chris. Uh, Yeah, lots of fun. Had a great time. And uh, listening audience, we will talk to you on the next episode.